Hi, and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Giselle Aguiar. We've been going through the Old Testament, seeing how Jesus and his gospel factors into every story. If you've missed any of them, search through the podcast or vlog for the studies on the books of Genesis through Ruth. As we continue God's story, which is really our story, I am changing how we go through the bulk of the rest of the Old Testament. If you read the Bible from cover to cover, the historical books get a bit confusing as the timeline isn't straight. My goal is to, as for the next studies, is to do them in historical sequence. So we'll bounce around the Old Testament, but the stories will make better sense. Jesus is the hero of the entire Bible, and we'll find him everywhere as we go along. Um, you'll also see how the Old Testament sets us up for the New Testament. And I've covered most of the New Testament, and you can find those studies along with podcast playlists on my blog. I pray that as you hear this message, it will inspire you to study the Bible daily for yourself. Seek the truth. I pray that God opens your heart and eyes and mind to understand what his spirit is trying to tell you. And as you become rooted in the word, you'll also be rooted in hope, joy, and peace. Let's dig in. Second Samuel 2. Second Samuel Samuel, two. One tribe is better than none, the anointing of a king. When we last left David, he was mourning the deaths of King Saul and his best friend, Jonathan. You might be thinking, crazy King Saul is dead, long live King David, uh, not so fast. In the last chapter, we saw Saul and his three sons killed in battle against the Philistines. As it turns out, Saul had another son, Ishbosheth. Probably he was not exactly a le legitimate heir to the throne. In any case, one of Saul's generals had a different idea besides King David, which makes for an interesting dilemma for David and his army. Let's dig in. But first, let's start with a psalm, Psalm 93. The Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. Indeed, the Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. The world stands firm and cannot be shaken. Your throne, O Lord, has stood from time immemorial. You yourself are from the everlasting past. The floods have risen up, O Lord. The floods have roared like thunder. The floods have lifted their pounding waves. But mightier than the violent raging of the seas, mightier than the breakers on the shore, the Lord above is mightier than these. Your royal laws cannot be changed. Your reign, O Lord, is holy and forever. Here are some points here. The Lord is king, present tense. Jesus is king and he's ruling from heaven at the moment. Remember that. And he's ruled since time began. Okay, so... Jesus' government is not a democracy. It's a monarchy. Remember that. Satan might be prince of the world, but Jesus is armed with strength and the world cannot be shaken. The floods stand for rebellious uprisings. Jeez, sort of like the ones we see all over the world today. Hmm. Verse 4 assures us that Jesus is mightier than and above 
any of them. His royal laws cannot be changed. In case you forgot, there's a refresher course on the Ten Commandments. In my blog, there's a link. Going on, 2 Samuel 2. David is anointed king. After this, David asked the Lord, should I move back to one of the towns of Judah? Yes, the Lord replied. Then David asked, which town should I go to? To Hebron, the Lord answered. David's two wives were Ahinoam from Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from, uh, from Carmel. So David and his wives and his men and their families all moved to Judah, and they settled in the villages near Hebron. Then the men of Judah came to David and anointed him king over the people of Judah. When David heard that the men of Jabesh-Gilead had buried Saul, he sent them this message. May the Lord bless you for being so loyal to your master Saul and giving him a decent burial. May the Lord be loyal to you in return and reward you with his unfailing love. And I too will reward you for what you have done. Now that Saul is dead, I ask you to be my strong and loyal subjects, like the people of Judah who have anointed me as their new king. But Abner, son of Ner, the commander of Saul's army, had already gone to Mahanaim with Saul's son Ishbosheth. There he proclaimed Ishbosheth king over Gilead, Jezreel, Ephraim, Benjamin, the land of the Azurites, and all the rest of Israel. Ishbosheth, Saul's son, was 40 years old when he became king, and he ruled from Mahanaim for two years. Meanwhile, the people of Judah remained loyal to David. David made Hebron his capital, and he ruled as king of Judah for seven and a half years. <sighs> One day, Abner led Ishbosheth's troops from Mahanaim to Gibeon. About the same time, Joab, son of Zeruiah, I got Ishbosheth and I can't get Zeruiah, led David's troops out and met them at the pool of Gibeon. The two, the two groups sat down there facing each other. I got the tongue twisters today. The two groups sat down there facing each other from opposite sides of the pool. Then Abner suggests to Joab, let's have a few of our warriors fight hand to hand here in front of us. All right, Job agreed. So 12 men were chosen to fight from each side. 12 men of Benjamin representing Ishbosheth, son of Saul, and 12 men representing David. Each one grabbed his opponent by the hair and thrust his sword into the other side so that all of them died. So this place at Gibeon has been known ever since as the field of sharp swords. A fierce battle followed that day and Abner and the men of Israel were defeated by the forces of David. Joab, Abishai, and Azael, the three sons of Zeruai, 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 were among David's forces that day. 
Ashael could run like a gazelle. He began chasing Abner. He pursued him relentlessly, not stopping for anything. When Abner looked back and saw him coming, he called out, is that you, Ashael? Yes, it is, he replied. Go fight someone else, Abner warned. Take on one of the younger men and strip him of his weapons. But Ashael kept right on chasing Abner. Again, Abner shouted to him, get away from here. I don't want to kill you. How could I ever face your brother Joab again? But Ashael refused to turn back. So Abner thrust the butt end of his spear through Ashael's stomach and the spear came out through his back. He stumbled to the ground and died there. And everyone who came by that spot stopped and stood still when they saw Ashael lying there. When Joab and Abishai found out what had happened, they set out after Abner. The sun was just going down as they arrived at the hill of Amma near Gia, along the road to the wilderness of Gibeon. Abner's troops from the tribe of Benjamin regrouped there at the top of the hill to take a stand. Abner shouted down to Job, must we always be killing each other? Don't you realize that bitterness is the only result? When will you call off your men from chasing their Israelite brothers? Then Job said, God only knows what would have happened if you hadn't spoken, for we would have chased you all night if necessary. So Joab blew the ram's horn and his men stopped chasing the troops of Israel. All that night, Abner and his men retreated through the Jordan Valley. They crossed the Jordan River, traveling all through the morning and didn't stop until they arrived at Mahanaim. Meanwhile, Joab and his men also returned home. When Joab counted his casualties, he discovered that only 19 men were missing in addition to Ashael. But 360 of Abner's men had been killed, all from the tribe of Benjamin. Joab and his men took Ashael's Ash, body to Bethlehem and buried him there in his father's tomb. Then they traveled all night and reached Hebron at daybreak. War isn't pretty. Oh, here's some other points to ponder. David asked God where he, he should go next. That's a very wise idea. And God's responses were clear, short, and sweet. Even though David was anointed by Samuel when he was a young shepherd as king, he gets a fresh anointing from the men, probably elders of Judah. They knew that David was the true king. We born-again believers need a fresh anointing every so often. Even though we have the Holy Spirit in our hearts and at our beck and call, many times the distractions of the world clutter up our signal and we need to tune up. That could be through a day of fasting and praying, a retreat, or a getaway off the grid to refresh and restore our souls. We need to always be in line with what God wants for our lives. Sometimes we don't get clear, concise answers like David did. So we have to quiet ourselves and listen for God's voice. Ishbosheth's name means man of shame. He was a weak leader and a puppet king. Hmm, kind of mirrors our puppet president. No, we're not going there. The person pulling his strings is General Abner, who is strong and powerful. Joab, David's general, had two brothers. One of them, Ashael, was a fast runner and was determined to chase and catch Abner. However, he became an 
adrenaline junkie. And being young and inexperienced, he ended up losing his life over a foolish pursuit. He got caught up in the thrill of the chase. The pursuit of a dream could become a nightmare if not guided by God. Guided by the Holy Spirit. Are your dreams and pursuits guided by the Holy Spirit? Do they have God's anointing, God's approval? Is it worth it? What would you gain if you lose your life, health, family, marriage, relationships, dignity, integrity, good character, good reputation, soul? There are times when you need to realize when to back off, that it's not worth it. Do you have the Holy Spirit in your heart? You're not sure? Then simply humble yourself and invite Jesus into your heart and receive the gift and confident hope of eternal life. You don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. There's a prayer in the show notes, or you can click on over to my blog. Click where it says, how to invite Jesus into your heart. Also in today's blog, at the bottom, I've got, um, I've embedded the video of a song that I, that was the one that carried me through when 16 years ago, when I put my life in God's hands as I drove from Florida to Arizona. I had no idea what to expect or what he had in store for me. But you're going to you're going to love this song. It's called The Potter's Hand. And I need God's guidance and wisdom every minute of the day. We all do. Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times, but know that things aren't falling apart. They are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20 to 22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish, but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory.